0: So, um, I just, I am, I mean, you guys, some of you have known Matt and Jen longer than uh, we have. They've been here for 13, 11 years. They've been here for 11 years at the church, and the Lord has just mightily used both of them, and they have grown, and Um, Of course, their three daughters are beautiful, and I'm introducing you like you don't know them, but just so thankful. I guess this is me being able to be thankful for Matt and Jen and uh, for their uh, ministry here. What they have done uh, with our youth program has been um, really, really great. And so they just started last week, two weeks ago, they started an intensive discipleship with the juniors and seniors and those who are in college And um, it's at their home. And so they bring them in and they have this intensive study. I mean, it's not just, you know, I mean, Bible studies are great. This is intensive. And then they all prepare a meal together. And um, so just some pretty neat things are happening. Uh, What we don't want to see is what typically happens uh, in American church. I'm not talking about here at Abundant Life, but just in American church um, in general is where, you know, once kids have the opportunity to go, kind of lose that generation for a little bit. And so I'm thankful for what they are doing and and not wanting that to happen, you know, here on our watch. And so I'm just so thankful for them. So Pastor Matt, if you will come on up. And I know he's family, but can you welcome him as he brings us God's word this morning?
1: Thank you, Pastor David. Well, we're going to pick right up with uh, what Pastor George Klein left us with last Sunday. It was uh, pretty awesome how he started with saying, I've got good news and bad news for you. I don't know if you all recall what he said. Is, uh, the one thing is, is that God is not going to ask you to do anything. God is going to tell you. God is going to command you. And out of that, what is our response? Our response is to out of love, we will abide by the commandments of God in the time that we had Jesus here on earth and, and everything that was written, everything that was witnessed. Uh, them are examples for us. Them are models for us. And we're going to kind of get into uh, one of the main, main things, the first things that he commanded of those around him. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get right into it. Father God, I just thank you so much for the work that you continue to do in my life, Lord God. God, I thank you um, that we have your written word, that we can look to for instruction, that we can look to for a love that is just surpasses all of our understanding, Lord. Father God, I pray for this day, Lord, that we would, that we would dig deep, Lord God. If there is any offenses, Lord God, from, from this message, may we check our hearts, Lord, Father God, I'm continue to be just so amazed and, and thankful for the leadership in this church, Lord God, to where there's, there is no comfort to, to live in this status quo that is of the world today, Lord God. Thank you for our preachers, and thank you for just the vision that you have for this church, Lord. Father God, may we receive this message today in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Pastor David had shared... Uh, It's pretty awesome to see the the turnout that we have for our uh, teen and youth and college age small group. Basically, I mean, it's open to... I mean, it's open uh, from 11th grade through college. And including Jen and I, there is nine of us. And the wonderful things about this is, is I lay out ahead of time, hey, listen, this is not come just to mingle. This is not come just to... To just do another thing, a part of your week. We are getting into the Word. We are really, really gnawing on, okay, what does the Word say, and how are we to live? And it's, it's wonderful that as bold and, and maybe nervous at some times that I am at some of the instruction that the Lord has me to tell our youth and uh, college-age students, they, they don't back down. They don't run away. They don't think to themselves, oh, you know... I'd rather just stay home. No, no, they're, they're there. They are fellowshipping with us. They are eating a meal with us, and, and they're getting into it. So this um, study that we're starting off, um, you know, Jen and I, we are committed to maybe a lifetime, I don't know, but maybe a lifetime of once a month having this type of small group in our home. But one of the things that we um, really just, the Lord gave me was this uh, book out of uh, New Song Church in Tennessee. Um, it is uh, called uh, Following Jesus, a Disciple's Handbook. So it is basically a guide uh, to bring people through a discipleship setting. So it has 12 different lessons. Um, the first one we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, today. It gave me a great outline um, you know, for the message. Uh, so Dale Everest and his son Joel Everest, they're a part of uh, New Song, as I said. And um, it's, it's beautiful, the fact that I've been able to actually talk to Joel on the phone. And he's, he's uh, actually taught a few times at our youth camp. So he's an amazing man of God. And it's, it's really been good for me as a youth pastor because I was not raised in the church. I don't really know what it looks like to... Have a youth group. So it's great to have someone that has a flourishing, uh, very uh, Holy Spirit-led church that has uh, just some, some teaching out there that's going to guide us into the scriptures. Um, this message today, uh, there's going to be no apologies. This is going to be very heavy in scripture, uh, very little commentary on my part. We're just going to hit scripture after scripture after scripture and see what it is. Uh, that that the model that we have from Scripture and how we're going to apply it to ourselves. So, um, do you know God's Word? Do you know God's Word? Do you spend more of your time listening to podcasts and commentary than you do what is in the Bible? question that I absolutely have to ask myself, rather than turn to the Scriptures, a lot of times I find myself looking to man's opinion so do you know god's word the bible does not change there is a a huge wavering uh, trend in christianity over the two thousand years that since christ died if you were to look at the text of 100 years ago 200 years ago 300 years ago of the commentary it has changed but the Bible hasn't. Isn't that the amazing thing? And we look at the times, the times have changed. We have we have so much of, of this going on today. Is it really relevant? Well, if you look back at the scriptures of the time when Jesus came, oh my gosh. I think that there's maybe there's no better time than now to compare two thousand years ago to what we have going on today. The sin of today is no greater or nor less of the sin of thousands of years ago. So maybe, maybe, maybe we fall into this, um, this path of, um, you know, not looking to his word, but getting to know it. Everything about it has not changed. It was settled in heaven long time ago, right? So this message today, um, I hope that, although I certainly do enjoy praise and, and love, I mean, I am human, right? Um, but I pray that this message is for you. I pray that, although we may hear a great sermon or a great commentary, which absolutely has the power to influence us and change us, I pray that um, just that you'd, you'd be inspired to, to look, look into the Word. Look for yourself to see exactly what it says. Don't, don't take my word for it, but may this message today be something that brings about change, whatever it is. All of us are on that path of being more and more like Jesus. So no matter how long you've been saved, there is a change that should be taking place in our hearts. So as a follower of Christ, it's not enough to say that you're saved. You must be transformed. We must look different than the world. A believer compared to a non-believer absolutely should look different, right? So what you struggled with, uh, maybe what was um, something that was a weakness, or uh, maybe it was uh, something that really was bondage for you five, ten years ago, Uh, you, you should have been able to really ask God to help you whatever it is, that needs to create change in your life. The last thing that Jesus would ever want as a model of Christians to be these grumpy, um, secluded um, people that really are not what he's calling us to be. So how do you know that you're transformed? It is the evidence that change has happened. This is not just a moment of salvation when you came to Christ, but this is a process to become more and more like Jesus throughout time. So point number one, what is repenting and believing? So repenting and believing, it is the the first lesson that we're going through in our small group. Um, So what it's made up of is uh, talking about those things, defining what repenting and believing is. The Greek word for repent has four elements: a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of behavior, a change of direction. Repentance is repeated over and over again in the Bible. If you were to do your own search, you would find repent, uh, repented, repentance over one hundred times in the scriptures. So, what is it? It is it is turning away from something. Uh, and turning towards something else. Uh, my mind has always thought of repentance as, okay, it is coming to something that God reveals to you that, okay, you're headed down the wrong path. You are not following Jesus, so you need to do a 180. It, always, it doesn't always have to be a 180. It might be a slight tilt. It might be just a one-degree change from the direction you are heading in. So how you check it is, as if it doesn't line up with God's word, uh, maybe it doesn't, it doesn't represent the example that Jesus had for us. Repenting means a change of heart that results in a change of decision and direction. It means different thinking on a matter that produces different attitudes and actions. Genuine repenting involves intellect, emotion, and will. So thinking, feeling, and doing One of the things that, at least that I have noticed, I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but this whole topic of repentance, it's the key to salvation, right? To come to Jesus, absolutely. There has to be repenting. There has to be change. But there's also, even in a believer, there is a struggle with sin. We have the flesh. Ever since the garden Ever since the curse that went out through all of humanity, we, at times, may stray off track. We may, at times, not follow Jesus. Uh, I'll tell a really, really powerful story for myself. Um, You may have never heard this before. but So I've been with my beautiful wife. Uh, We've been together as a couple for 20 years. When I was 20 years old, uh, God just gave her to me. It's a beautiful thing, right? Well, about 12, 13 years ago, um, we were in our new home down the road here. Uh, we, had, uh, we were married at the time. We had uh, I don't think Mary was quite one-year-old. Um, but I was a part of this thing on the Internet called MySpace. Does anyone recall of MySpace? Anyone hear it? Nathan's shaking his head no. Um, So it was before Facebook. So Jen and I, uh, we weren't a part of this church yet. Uh, The the church we were a part of, uh, wonderful, wonderful life that we had. Um, So I put a few pictures of my little baby girl on the Internet. uh, And as you all know how it works, whoever's your friend gets to see your pictures, right? Well, I had this lady who actually uh, used to be my ex-girlfriend, she commented on the picture and said, oh, your daughter is beautiful. Seems innocent, right? Could have took it as just, wow, thank you. Gosh, I haven't talked to this girl in eight, nine years. We were dating for a few years as teenagers. So something in me just told me, I got to tell Jen, you know, just who this person is, I believe that you know when Jen and I were dating, I had shared that I was in a relationship for a few years. But I, I went in in the other room, I told Jen, I said, "Hey, I'm just this doesn't really mean anything, but this this girl I used to date, she just commented, very you know nothing on her end that she was trying to do." Um, but I told Jen, you know, yeah, she just hey, she just commented, and Jen's like, "Oh, cool." Well, you know what happened? The next message on my end, was just a little bit more than a statement. It was a couple of sentences, right? And then on her end, then it became like a paragraph. And then on my response, on my end, it became a page. And a week or two later, before you know it, we were talking about a lot of stuff over the internet, emails. And I actually came to a point where I started to get more excited if she had sent me a message or anything um, than I had about what I had going on in my life. It started to kind of consume me. So I remember exactly where I was. I was going to play basketball with a preacher friend of mine, and we were in his truck, and I shared with him what was going on. And I said, you know, there's starting to come some old emotions. Things are kind of fleshly, kind of being rekindled. So my pastor was very direct with me. He said, Matt, you need to Run. Run. Get get out of that right now. There's nothing good about that. Yes, she may be on her end absolutely innocent. Uh, believe she was married at the time. Um, so, you would say, oh gosh, Matt, you're a little over the top here. No, no. It was starting to consume my emotions. And she was starting to speak into things maybe that my wife could not. So, Fortunately, I told my pastor, and he says, Matt, Matt you need to run. So I, I typed up this long email to this innocent lady and said, hey, listen, I, I really am excited for you and your marriage, um, but really right now what is happening is it, it, this is not good at all for my marriage. Uh, I'm a married man. You're not doing anything on your part, but I'm starting to have these thoughts And this is taking away from my marriage, so I I am sorry, but I just, you haven't done anything wrong, but I just, I have to stop talking with you, and I've got to remove you as my friend. That was something that the Lord started to prompt me to, hey Matt, maybe you need to address this. Yeah, I don't know, God. God. But fortunately, I went to my pastor. So at times of repentance, it may not be just the Lord just speaking to you and say, hey, whoa, you're going the wrong path. You need to change direction. There may be just confiding in your friends. This pastor... (laughs) Let me just pause in my message here. When I heard last week, when he said... George Klein said that the senior pastor life expectancy is 50 years, 58 years old. That is reality. That is real. This man makes himself available, at least to me, I, I assume you guys too, at all times. Which, honestly, in the end, that is not really that healthy. But there has been so much junk that I have dealt with in my life that I just, I need guidance. I have a wonderful spirit-led man that I can go through and basically give him my junk, and he's able to, to counsel me in that, right? But don't take that for granted. He is the pastor of this church, and I'm not saying that anyone is using and abusing him, but... The fact that 58 years old is the life expectancy of a senior pastor, they are taking a weight on them that I don't think that the Lord ever planned for pastors of church. So, but I think if we were to get this right, if I were to get this right, repenting and believing, maybe it would take a little load off the pastor. Maybe some of the drama that I create maybe he just won't have to deal with that. It'll free up his time. I think that these mega churches, uh, you all may have your opinion about it, but the speaking pastors, I think that is a beautiful thing. It is amazing how much, I'm not a, a preacher every Sunday, but how much time that I have to invest into being focused and how all that can get derailed on a Sunday morning. All that can be derailed based off of something coming to me. Well then... Maybe that's just my immaturity. Maybe that's my inexperience. I don't know. But just focusing on a sermon for me, you're talking 10, 12 hours of preparation for me. So don't know why I got totally off track there. But let's come back to the message here. So, talking about uh, me being friends with my ex girlfriend on MySpace. There is a portal, there is an open door through media, through television, through phones that we all need to be recognizing. So in your home, what portal, what entryway is there that you can close off? Oh, well, the last thing I would want is for my daughter to not have a phone. I mean, every single 10th grader has got a phone. My daughter needs a phone too. Okay, but there is some controls that you can change on there. There is, uh, gosh, most of you parents are paying for it. You should absolutely be able to look at that phone and to see what they're doing. So what portals, what entryway is the devil I'm not saying my ex-girlfriend is the devil, but Satan, through her, seriously, I I believe this, Satan, through her, started this whole conversation. What could have happened if I was not a Christian? What could have happened if I didn't go to my pastor? I could be divorced right now. I could have made a stupid decision and head up to New York to have a one-night fling with her. That's a true story of a friend of mine, by the way. I actually know three stories of marriages that are done today because of an innocent ex or someone in high school that you used to be friends with. Now, I'm not not judging them people. What I'm being revealed to myself is that the Satan is going to pursue you and he's going to get into any little nook and cranny that you have. Seal off your windows, lock the doors... See where Satan may be coming in and and kick him out. So what does it mean to believe? Believing involves relying completely on something with unwavering confidence. As a disciple, believing is being fully focused on the person, promises, and power of God the Father and Jesus the Son as revealed in the Word of God. So our daily intimate relationship with Jesus is the source of our faith And it will lead us on an epic adventure. It really will. Repentance and belief go hand in hand. Scripture clearly teaches this. Jesus' very first message was for us to repent and believe in the gospel. If you would, turn into your Bibles there. For our first scripture, Mark 1, 14 and 15. So this is this is Jesus' first first message. Later on after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached the God God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. What we have in our disciples handbook is the model of all of these lessons. The model of Jesus, the model of Jesus' followers, and the model in our lives. So how did Jesus model repentance and belief? So he was completely sinless, right? He was perfect. He had nothing to repent of, but he went everywhere calling people to repent. So you think of the time... When they were at the river, before Jesus was baptized in water, there was this man named John the Baptist. He was constantly talking about and and sharing that the Messiah is coming. Be ready. Prepare yourselves. So John the Baptist had prepared the way. Make way for the Lord. The King is coming. He is coming here to dwell with us. He is coming on earth to walk with us. Here he comes. Here comes the king. So he called and challenged people to do away with foolish notions that, we were, that were contrary to God's word, will, and ways. So think of the time that he was with the, the Pharisees. You know, he really had no time for them. He wasn't going to invest into them. He exposed them. He called people to turn from the destructive influence in their lives and look to the God of grace love and mercy who sent his son to help them find their way to him. Luke 5:29 through 32. Talking about the time that Jesus had spent with these sinners. Luke 5:29 through 32. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus believed completely in the mission that the Father had given him. This was a mission to seek and save the lost and the broken humanity that was all throughout. He believed in, absolutely in the power of the Holy Spirit. This included defeating the devil and his demonic kingdom of darkness and establishing his kingdom in the hearts of all who would repent and believe on him. Luke 4:14 4, through 19. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This was a prophecy out of Isaiah 61. Jesus was reading an old scroll The Messiah had come. This was His mission. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was anointed. He was fit for the task and was called to it. The next point, the model that we have, repenting and believing in the lives of Jesus' followers. So that's how they came to him in the first place. Uh, Some of them were initially John the Baptist's disciples before they were Jesus' disciples. So picking up on our PowerPoint there, they responded to his message to repent and believe that Messiah and kingdom were kingdom coming. So when they heard Jesus issue the same call, they recognized their need to respond to him. Matthew 4, 17 through 20. This is the calling of the first disciples. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So the motto we have from the disciples is they, they had a trade. They, they had what they felt like was their, the remaining of their lives. This is what they were supposed to be doing. But then they have this man who was showing signs, wonders, miracles, and they made a decision to turn and follow him. And Jesus is calling us to do the same. Follow, follow me. This began an ongoing journey of discovering their need to repent of wrong thinking, attitudes and actions, and conform more and more to the message and ministry of Jesus. They discovered that it was something that wasn't just a single act, but it was an ongoing process. It was a, a daily work. As followers of Jesus, they learned increasingly how to conform their thinking and believing, behaving in a manner consistent with His mission, message and ministry. John 13, the time that Jesus had washed the disciples' feet. John 13:12 and 17. We see here a change take place, a misunderstanding on Peter's part and how the Lord changed his thinking. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And out of that that scripture Peter sees the disciples, the other disciples, getting their feet washed. And whether Peter thought he was greater than the other disciples or not, I don't know. But when Jesus came to Peter, remember what the scriptures say? Peter said, No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa. You're you're not washing my feet. I'm going to wash your feet. It's a great example for us to be a leader. You need to be a servant. When you've arrived, when you have fulfilled this leadership role that you've attained your whole life, Recognize that right then and there, you're still a servant. You serve others. After Jesus was risen, the first disciples continued in a lifestyle of repenting and believing. Acts 10 uh, is a change in Peter's mind, direction, and attitude. This is when he met with Cornelius. It was a topic of uh, the concerns that Peter had with Jews' traditions and beliefs and Gentiles' Uh, traditions and beliefs. And it was a, a time where Peter's mind had shifted. Acts fifteen one through 32, we have a really uh, serious calling of the church leaders. There was a council. So this is the, the very first start of the church, right? There were some things that they were having to to navigate, okay, what, what fully is our theology and understanding of things. So the council of church leaders came together in Jerusalem to debate what requirements should be placed on Gentile believers. After much discussion, debate, and deliberation in the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke, challenging and changing their thinking and believing. They responded to the Spirit's wisdom and revelation with actions that indicated real repenting and believing had taken place. This this moment in church history if they would have looked to themselves for inspiration and understanding this could have been the split of the church right here. This this really was something that that they had to navigate and it's a beautiful story for us that they that they were open to change. Another point real quick is to to be a leader, you also have to continue to learn. You have to be trainable. You need to continue to be invested in. Allow that. So this comes to us. Point number four, repenting and believing in our lives. Romans 2.4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So we should be humbled at his patience with us. It's hilarious that um, just in my foolish thinking, a a few weeks ago, I was complaining to our pastors about an individual, and, and they had reminded me. They don't know my complete story. They didn't know me when I was a teenager. They didn't know me when I was in my 20s, but they turned it back around. It was beautiful because they said, remember how patient the Lord was with you for 24 years, I was a rebel. I was opposed to God. I was not walking in his way. So it's a great thing to share, I believe, with you guys um, that God, his absolute desire is for everyone to know Jesus. So if someone is driving you nuts, if someone is, in your own eyes, sinning to the most extreme that you could ever think of, recognize the patience that the lord had with you he's patient with them too so continue to pray what is it that you on your end should be doing witnessing right be an example share your story second corinthians 7 9 through 10 says that godly sorrow produces repentance because part of repentance this change is about regret I regret that I thought this way. I've not been thinking rightly about this. Sometimes it involves tears. Uh, Repentance is ultimately about changing your way of thinking. It is that slight one degree shift. Maybe it's a 90 degree. Maybe it's a 180 degree turn in your direction. There's so much sin in the world today. There really is. Many say it's okay to do this okay to do that. You've changed even in the denominations of American churches that in the last 10 years have made some radical changes into what is acceptable and what is not. I'm not going to call out them specific things, but uh, one of the things that I saw recently, it was a, a meme or, or something on Facebook. It said that if it was a sin 100 years ago, it's still a sin today. How in the world could we have scripture that has not changed? It is what it is. Yes, we may have different translations, a little bit of differences in the English language that has kind of evolved. But if you were to look at the the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were before Jesus' times, how much they line up with what we have in the translation today, it is very, very accurate. So what is a sin 100 years ago is still a sin today. A guy I follow, on a, he has a blog on the internet on his topic, his, his uh, sharing of repentance. He says that Christians acknowledge their sin, they hate their sin, and they do battle against their natural sinful inclinations. We who are followers of Jesus do this battle through the conviction and power of the Holy Spirit working in us. To hate your sin, to turn away from sin, to fight against sin in one's life is known as repentance. It's not a one-time event. It is an ongoing struggle. How much do we miss it thinking that when we come to salvation and repent that we think it's completely done then and there? Satan, the enemy, wants to do everything he can to shut you down. He wants to do everything he can to make you feel good and comfy and feel like you're doing the right thing, but in God's eyes, it's not. Sin. We, we are sinners. We have the flesh. We have the evil tendencies that, going back to the whole portals and entryways of how them things come in, we need to shut that stuff down. Are we living lives of peace? If someone were to enter our home, would they say, this, this is a peaceful home. This is is beautiful. Have you ever walked into somebody's house that you've never walked into before and just felt, as soon as you walk in, whoa, things are off. I, I feel like there's some tension going on here. What is really happening? So if you're maybe struggling with peace, if maybe I'm struggling with peace, maybe, the, maybe there's something, something that's not right. And then I need to repent. This whole following Jesus is a daily walk, right? We are continuing to follow Him. This is the way. Repenting and believing is turning from anything that is not of God and turning towards everything that is and putting our faith in it, confidence in it, trusting, recognizing that I believe. Repenting and believing is how we are saved and enter the kingdom of God. Repeating the key verse out of Mark, later on after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Repenting and believing is how we continue to see the work of salvation and us becoming more like Jesus. If repenting is turning away from anything that does not line up with God's word, will, and ways, it means that we must be open to ongoing changes of heart and mind that result in changes in beliefs and behaviors and actions. Out of Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church. He planted this church. These were Christians. And he's saying to put off your old sinful nature. Recognize that we talked about Wednesday, uh, uh, going into the theme of Valentine's Day, thinking of your first love, your true love. We went through the the human way of it, and we wrote a few things down. But let's flip it over to the first time that you came to Jesus, the first time that you recognized, whoa, there's a stirring of a heart here. I I make a decision for Christ. How did you feel? What did you do? And we wrote down them things. Maybe them are things that you all need to write down. I need to write down. The youth, they were sent home with these blank hearts to remind themselves of, what is it that drew me to Jesus in the first place? Am I thinking of them things? Am I dwelling on them things? Am I operating the way that I had when I first came to him? Repentance as a lifestyle would lead to a response on our end, which is what the Holy Spirit desires to lead us in each day. Romans 8, 13, and 14 says, For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If believing involves relying completely on something or someone in one unwavering confidence, then it is necessary for us to grow in being more and more focused on Jesus. Everything comes down to what you believe. Everything comes down to what you believe. You came to church today. Maybe many of you had no clue I was speaking. But you felt like church is important. Being a part of This community, worshiping together, hearing the Lord is important to you. It is a belief. We always behave according to what we believe. The more we choose to believe the Word of God, the more we will behave according to the Word of God. This is how we grow in grace and the true knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So repenting and believing means I think differently. I feel differently. I do differently because I believe differently. So our response, point number five, we cannot stop sinning apart from Jesus. A relationship with him will lead you to a transformed life and your beliefs, your values, and your behavior will change. So maybe right now, Maybe you're at a place where you're feeling maybe a little frustrated. Maybe there's something in your mind that you've been constantly being tempted by. Maybe something very small, maybe something serious. Maybe maybe there's thoughts of another man or woman and you're, and you're married yourself right now. Maybe, maybe you're just tired of living the status quo. Cry out to God. Connect with a friend. It may just start with just a simple conversation. But your true friends, they're going to let you know where you're wrong. Your true friends that are Christians, that are believers, they're going to be praying for you. They're going to be interceding for what you're going through. Every one of us, every one of us, have got something we're dealing with because the Satan, Satan, that is his ultimate desire in his goals is to take us down, to get us off the path. We're following Jesus, heading in that direction and just a little shift off of that would be something we need to repent of. Believe and trust. His commands are for our good. I texted Pastor David this morning and I said, man, it seems like the more and more that that I preach, the more and more it seems like there's a work in me. Maybe the message today is more for me than it is you all. I think all of us can relate. This is the first message of Jesus. So ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas of your lives that is sin." And confess that to God. Believe in his ability to renew your mind and refresh your heart. Meditate on the promises of God. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. This is right from Scripture. This is beautiful. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Doesn't that really wrap things up? Think about these things. Dwell on these things. And the peace of God will go with you. I don't usually do this, but on my way to church this morning, I had my earbuds in. Completely ignoring my family. I had this song that played over and over and over again because for me it is the most powerful worship song in my life that really connects me at this stage. Who knows? A couple years from now it'll probably be something different. But Hillsong United, and it's Be Still. And you know what the amazing thing is? This is this. Lord me today. A part of our prayer time before, I, before we went into our service, I had prayed, been praying for my stepdad's recovery, for his uh, serious heart surgery that he had. And <clears throat> I said, you know, be praying for my mom and my stepdad because they're not in church. She wanted me to tell my whole church thank you very much for praying for her. My, my heart hurts that they're not a part of a church. But you know what she sent me today? A text after? Yes, I was looking at my phone after we had prayed. A scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. So maybe this is all ordained and orchestrated just for me today, but where are we? Are we still before the Lord? Do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us? Are we following a different Jesus. Are we following a different gospel? You have to know the word. There'll be no apologies that we were very scripture heavy today, but let's take the focus off of Matt and his commentary. Let's focus on the word. So we're going to have a time of of prayer. We're going to have a time where you guys can be prayed for and cared for. We have uh, Mr. Stowe and Miss Vicky that are going to be up here. I'm going to be up here. Um, depending on the response, we can all come up here. But you're all welcome to come. Let us pray, Father God, you are good. You are so good, Lord. May our love for you lead us to do your will, Lord, to love each other, to deny of ourselves, to take up our cross. Following Jesus is going to lead to the cross. Following your son Jesus through the hills, through the valleys. Father God, I thank you so much for this church and 11 years that my family has been a part of it, Lord God. We, we feel so loved. We've experienced change. Father God, may you rekindle that first love that we had for you, Lord. Lord. May we come to you, Lord God, whatever it is that has us off track, whatever it is, Lord, that has us that slight shift off of your path, Lord. May we come back to you. Follow your model, Lord Jesus. Follow the disciples and and what they had learned and the life change that they experienced, Lord. May we come as a church with hope. May this be a home for us And God, I'm just thankful that that this is a church that wants us to help each other. Father God, we just look to you for your Holy Spirit to give us that comfort, Lord God. Help us to do well. Help us to follow Jesus the way you originally intended us to, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.